Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Voodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Stereo Company in Forest Hill, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Reverend Art of folkplunger.com, located in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. In just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forest Hill, California, and guest co-host, Reverend James of folkconjure.com in Western North Carolina and Conjurman of ConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divine and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooist of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening. But if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Reverend James. Ms. Kat? Hi. Well, this is a very unusual show. I always love it when I get to be a guest or when my longtime co-host gets to be a guest because... Today, Conjurman is bringing us his special astrological knowledge, and we're going to have one of these shows that is very popular, which is astrological predictions for the coming quarter or astrological year. But before we start that, so if you wondered what's going on, that's what's going on. <laughs> so, um, these shows are rare, and they are filled with um, lots of advice and, and wisdom about astrology if you want to learn astrology. So even if you're not here for anything more than the predictions, you're going to walk away with some basic knowledge of astrology. We'll tell you about that as we go. All right. I'm just sitting around working. That's all I'm doing. I'm doing work on books, and I sound like a broken record, just uh, working on books and working on books and working on books. And um, so I really have almost nothing to say about my life other than I'm working on books. However, um, things are moving forward with Gray Townsend doing illustrations and covers for the books. And we're going to be getting together for a second meeting and have some uh, ideas for that. Work is going ahead on the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Our uh, co-ringmasters, Papa G and Reverend John St. Germain, are pulling strings behind <laughs> in the background to get everything together. Our presenters are gearing up their videos. It's going to be a thing. Get your tickets because, as we know, we sell tickets very slowly at the beginning. We always offer them six months in advance. We sell a few tickets and a few more and a few more. But when it comes down to it, you're going to want to be there because, remember, you're going to get this goodie box. It's going to have more than $100 worth of stuff in it, which is really a rebate on your ticket price. And there are very few virtual in fact, I don't know of any other virtual festivals of this kind where when you sign up, get the ticket, then your name is put on a list and something is mailed to you. And in this case, it's a regular U.S. postal flat rate box filled with things. 
that you will use because we don't do lectures. We do workshops, and that means you're going to have the little oils in your hand. You're going to have the candles. You're going to have the herbs for each of ten workshops, and you can follow along as the workshop is presented and produce a spell on your own. And I'm going to give you one hint that um, Reverend James, um, who is today my co-host, is going to be doing a workshop that involves uh, consecrating altar statuary. So now is the time. Buy your ticket and make sure you have your altar statuary in place when he starts his workshop. Don't be running around the house looking for a statue. He's going to show you how to consecrate it, and all the tools will be in the box. So that's um, what's new with me. How about you, James? Um, how are things going in your part of the world? Things are going well. It's it's a nice, you know, bright, sunny day the past few days. I know the last time I was on here I was talking about how the dreary the weather was. Um, unfortunately, with the sun coming out, it's still bitterly cold. So we're looking at the next few days in about in the, the mid-20s here in the mountains. Um, but I've just been uh, – trying to stay warm <laughs> and um, working on putting together all of the goodies that are going to go into my section of the goodie box for getting that um, iconography and, and statuary and whatnot um, ready to be consecrated. Um, it, it doesn't have to be a statue, everybody, just so that you know. If you have just an image, a photo image, we're going to go over all of the different types of um, ways that you can portray your deities and all of the different ways that you can consecrate those various uh, aspects. And do they have to be deities? Could they be saints? Could they be archangels? Could they be familiar spirits? Could they be ancestors? Absolutely. Anything that you want to work with or that you want to venerate, that you want to have a object in front of you that, that you work with. All right. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to this because I was there for last year's Hoodoo Heritage Festival when you had the most amazing goodie box inside the goodie box with things inside the goodie box, inside the goodie box, inside the goodie box. And it was this multi-layered, um, I mean, folks, this guy makes good, good goodie boxes. So uh, when you get these goodie boxes from the festival, it's just going to be wonderful things that will come to you. You'll have um, printed out PDFs to follow along, so you don't need to run and find a printer. It's all printed out for you. Uh, spells will be printed out, and there'll also be an open Q&A at the end of every workshop session where you can ask questions, and those Q&As are also recorded, and then later they will be available to people to play back. So it's a there's nothing quite like the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. And if you think, I saw it all on TikTok, you are wrong. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> this is the real thing, and it's going to be really, really, really good. All right. Well, um, I have to say today is an odd one because um, we had a, a guest planned. I'm going to throw that out. Um, uh, our good friend and, and sometime announcer uh, Clifford Lowe was going to be our astrological guest today, but there was a death in his family and he had to travel to go to a funeral. And so um, he was unable to make it. So we wish him well wherever he is and hope he'll get back um, with us and become a guest on our show again at another time. But um, uh, our hearts go out to Clifford and his family, and things are what they are, is swap around, and now we have 
instead, dear Contraband Ollie is our guest. So, um, oh, I just saw in in the chat that Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour, which is my husband Shiva, said, we have him scheduled, quick on our feet. All right, all swapped around, and Reverend Art says, a metaphysical game of Twister. All right, so welcome to the show, Contraman Ali. This is um, where you get to be a guest. Uh-oh, um, and now I'm hearing silence. I'm still here. The- you're still here. Hello. I'm st- <laughs> there he is. <laughs> there we go. I think uh, Blog uh, Talk dropped me real quick, but uh, neither she would just click on the dial Blog and talk- drop me back yeah. in. <laughs> All right. Well, there you are. So, um, Contraband, before we start the actual uh, reason for this episode, how about telling us what's going on in your world and in the world of uh, Contraband reality? Yeah, things are going quite well. I'm just finishing up my uh, workshop stuff, so I should be having that in within the next week uh, at most, and that was quite fun. I got the writing of it done, just doing a quick proofreading before I send it to the ultimate editress, the editrix, uh, Miss Cat, uh, who will uh, typeset and, and sort it all out and make our writings actually legible <laughs> and decent. Uh, and then also, uh, I've already scripted out my video portion and am ready to film it. So it looks like it's going to be pretty good and it's going to be finished up soon. I'm very excited to be presenting this topic to everyone and I hope that they enjoy and learn from it. The topic of love is always incredibly popular, so I have no doubt that this will be a well-attended workshop and I couldn't encourage people more uh, to sign up for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Beyond that, I'm very excited to take off my co-host hat. I don't get to do it too often. Uh, happy to fill in the very big shoes of uh, Clifford Lowe and always excited to be talking a little bit about astrology. So I'm very excited to be joining yourself as the guest. <laughs> well, I'll be sure to interview you about astrology. Um, I do have to say one thing about that uh, panel discussion on love spells that you're going to be talking on. I alluded to this a couple of uh, weeks ago, so I think I'm going to make an announcement. If that is that okay with you, Contraman, that I make an announcement about the coming product? Uh-oh, silent again. Hmm, we may be having go some ahead. problems. Can you hear me? Oh, go ahead, he says. Okay, yeah, all right. Yes, so, um, Contraman is well-known. I would even go so far as to say famous for um, his prescriptions for people who have lost love and need to heal, cleanse, refresh, and find new love. And that's why he's on the love panel. And many of you have heard him give variations of a love on crossing bath. It's not always exactly the same, and he tailors it for different people. And I'm not going to surprise anybody, it's going to be a mystery, that that's what he's going to be doing a workshop on. So we will have the definitive love on crossing from Conjuran. We're going to be making this love on crossing bath as a product and we are going to be offering it for sale. So if you go to the festival and get the goodie box, you will be among the first 125 people who get 
this handmade Lucky Mojo Love Uncrossing bath by Contrapanali with his name on it. And I want everyone to know that this is something to look forward to. Um, in a way, he's going to talk himself out of talking about it because then we can point to everybody and say, go there, $25. You can learn how to make it yourself or you can buy it here. Right? But on the other hand, it has become such a go-to. I'm going to predict something here about this Love on Crossing Bath Contraband. It is becoming, it maybe has become, um, something along the lines of Chinese wash. It's not as old-fashioned and African as goofer dust, but it's something that has been being talked about by you and promoted by all of us who know you for a number of years now. And I'm ready to declare that Contraman's uncrossing, Love Uncrossing Bath is going to become part of everyone's toolkit as soon as this thing, this workshop is live. So wow. uh, congratulations on adding something very important to Hoodoo. Very important. I'm and it's really important to Hoodoo because... <laughs> it's really important to Hoodoo because as people have become um, less in poverty and straightened circumstances, mm-hmm. the spells for uh, luck and money and stuff, they can put in a little mm-hmm. hard work and maybe get there. But um, love is always a problem, and this is a spell that really addresses love. You can tell a culture and its evolution by what spells it has. And um, love uncrossing has become a thing, and you're it. <laughs> you're it. So I'm I really want to just. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm going to say, from now on, it's. It's something that's going to be so much a part of everyone's lives. It already is. I mean, everyone knows it that you've that you are doing it, and it's it's a very uplifting and compassionate workshop. So I I just know you you you're there to help. All right. Now, having said all of that, let's get to our topic. So our topic today is the astrology of the ingress of the sun into Aries. So I'm going to just use a few astrological terms and get this set up. Ingress is a fancy word for entering, you know, ingress and egress, you know, entrance and exit. So when the sun enters the sign of Aries at the spring equinox, that's the beginning of the zodiacal year. There's so many different years. We have the secular new year. We have the Chinese new year. We have the Jewish new year. We have the, you name it. There's always a different new year. We have um, the other versions of spring new years in different climates and often they are measured by when the sun enters Aries and then they go to the next moon. And that's a certain way of inter- of uh, marking time as well. The sun entering Aries is something that's easy to visualize. If you can imagine all the signs of the zodiac coming up, if you face the east and it's sunrise and the sun comes up, and if you could see past the sun, you would see the region of the zodiac known as Aries. Now, I'm not going to say the constellation Aries. That's a whole other issue. We could have a whole show on that. It's going to be the sign of the zodiac known as Aries. <laughs> and when the sun enters Aries, it will be in Aries for about a month. That's why there are about 12 signs of the zodiac and about 12 months in the year. So when the sun enters Aries, it sets the um, pattern for the new year. Aries is the first sign of the zodiac. There's reasons to believe it shouldn't be. I can go on. I'm not going to go there. It's history. They made a mistake. It's gone. There's no recapturing it now. Um, but 
Aries is the first sign of the zodiac as we understand it today. The ingress marks the beginning of something, and in astrology, beginnings are very important times. Your, your natal chart is your beginning. Um, July 4th, 1776 is the birth of the United States of America. That chart, that horoscope, sets the pattern for that uh, nation. Every nation has a birth chart, every person does, and every year does, and that's going to be the first day of spring. Now, I mentioned the word equinox. Equinox means that equal night is what it means, and it means the day and the night are equal in duration. It happens twice a year. There's also the fall equinox. Another name for the spring equinox is the vernal equinox. Vernal is Latin for spring. And the other quarters of the year are marked by what are called the solstices, the winter and summer solstice. The solstice is called that because just as viewed from Earth, the sun appears not to move its position of rising for three days. It kind of stays real close. It's called solstice. Sol is sun. Stis means to stand. The sun stands still. So what we're talking about now is what's called the next quarter year. So for starting March 21st, when the vernal equinox happens until the summer solstice, which is June um, uh, 21st, we're, we always do these predictions a quarter year at a time, because if we had to do a whole year at a time, we'd be here for four hours instead of an hour and a half. So that's what I'm just setting the stage here. So what we're going to look at will be the movements of major planets during this time, and particularly what's happening around the time of the spring equinox, because that is the natal chart for the quarter. That's the, be that's the natal chart for this year in astrological terms. Now, one more thing I have to add. Every planet has a meaning, symbolism. Most of you know this, but Mercury for communication and its day is Wednesday and, you know, it could be associated with Hermes or any other Elegua, any other kind of communication deity in another culture. And Venus is for love. You all know that. And the day is Friday. And these planets also rule different signs. And so when they enter certain signs, it's like entering home territory. And when they enter some signs, it's like entering enemy territory, or sometimes it's just neutral. They're just walking down the street. But when a sun enters Aries, that is not its home. Its home is Leo. So that's going to always have a certain energizing effect. The sun is very energetic. And now I'm going to turn this over to Contraman, but I think I've set enough of the stage. What we're looking at is what that chart is going to look like. All right, Contraman, take it away. Thanks, Ms. Cat, for that introduction. Hopefully you all can hear me. I'm having a little bit of trouble with the blog talk, it looks like. Uh, so after this discussion, I might have to call back in. But if everyone can hear me, I'm going to proceed as is, and hopefully it all works out. Tech problems are uh, the realities of live radio. Uh, as Ms. Cat said, what we're going to be looking at is the sun's entrance into Aries. This is a very old technique. It comes out of the ancient world. It's believed to stretch all the way back to Babylonia. Uh, we know that there's evidence of it in some versions of Greek or Hellenistic astrology, and it is incredibly popular in Middle Eastern astrology or the astrology found in the Islamic world. And what it does is it assumes that every time the sun returns to zero degrees Aries, 
is the beginning of the new astrological year. And what is, what is happening at that moment is then predicted for the entirety of the year. In other words, it's seen as the birth chart of the year. In the same way that we uh, erect a chart for the moment that you're born and from it can make whole life predictions, the return of the sun to zero degrees Aries is considered to be the birth of the year, and you can make predictions for the entirety of the year. Now, there's a variety of rules on how many charts you must cast. Sometimes you only need one chart for the entire year. Sometimes you need two charts done for the two equinoxes, so this would be the ingrate or the entry of the sun into Aries and the entry of the sun into Libra, and sometimes you need four charts for the different quarters, so you would do it for Aries, you would do it for Cancer, you would do it for Libra, and you would do it for Capricorn. So there are some variations here depending on what shows up um, on that entry of the sun to Aries. The astrological new year, the chart is known as the chart of the year or the horoscope of the year. And it has a variety of very complicated techniques. It's not just reading transits. It has all sorts of symbolic techniques, like the movement of the sun, the signs, one per year gives you a prediction for the year. The symbolic and mathematic movement of the ascendant through the terms, which are these smaller subdivisions of the zodiac also gives you all sorts of interpretations. The Fergaria, which are planetary epochs or ages or rulers that tell you uh, about what's going on in a particular age. The horoscope of the year is also connected to much larger astrological ages. So, for example, we are in the age of the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions in Aquarius. For the next 20 years, all the yearly horoscopes must be understood through the lens of that 20 years in Aquarius, which fits into the 240 years of the age of air. So there's this whole way in which astrologers of the ancient and medieval world divided up time and understood it. Think of it as a really complex, symbolic calendar system from which you can make predictions. To start first by understanding that we're in the age of uh, in the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius. That generally has significations that indicate continuations of plague and issues around structural corruption and the fragmenting of empires. So that's the big picture. Then you move year by year. So we have cast the horoscope, and you can find it on Blog Talk. Another Shiva has very kindly posted the image of it up in our slides. We cast it for the exact return of the sun to zero degrees Aries in Washington, D.C., since it's the capital of the United States. And that gives us March 20th, 2023 at 5.24 p.m. So based off of that, we have erected a horoscope. The sign that is rising is Virgo. That tells us who the primary people are going to be affected in the year. Virgo rules laborers, specifically laborers out in the field. In the traditional interpretation of Virgo, she's often shown as harvesting quite literally carrying a sickle and harvesting wheat. So laborers are, particularly agricultural laborers, will be affected by the things that happened in 2023. The ruler of Virgo is Mercury, and Mercury is in the eighth house, which is the house of the communal fund, but also death and scarcity, in Aries, 
are in Aries three degrees from the sun. So this is a Mercury that is under the rays or combust with the sun. It is not a Mercury that is doing well. So that gives us already our first interpretation. It says that the condition of laborers and that which they produce from the land will face scarcities and difficulties and uh, austerity. So we're going to likely see some type of shortages around uh, grains and foods and whatnot. And that's already sort of in effect. Uh, especially if you've been trying to find eggs these days, you already know that there's some 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 difficulty. So this indicates to us very clearly that the effects and predictions are already in place. That the, what started off earlier, even before the ingress of the sun, is likely going to continue throughout the year. That we'll have some type of difficulties or scarcities around foods and war, around foods and agriculture and things that are going to be produced. Mercury, as the ruler of the horoscope, also signifies young individuals. Young individuals here are found in the eighth house of difficulties in Aries, which is a very fiery sign, and being burnt by the sun, and relatively close, or will be moving to a close uh, conjunct to Jupiter, which is that of laws. So restrictions around young people, restrictions and laws that affect young people, uh, the removal of rights of young people, difficulties in regards to people, uh, young people's access to politics, voting, etc., all are going to be major themes here. So don't be surprised if you see states passing restrictions around children or placing children in difficult positions or passing laws that will harm children in some way. But because the conjunction is in Jupiter and Saturn is in Aquarius, that tells us that there's a fragmentation. So we would add the interpretation of some states will go to the extreme of putting children in the harm and other states will go to preserve and protect children. So you're going to see a separation in the United States between two groups of states. States that will actively pass laws and measures that are detrimental and harmful to children and children's growth and the, the uh, rights of the youth. And those states that will go and pass measures that protect and preserve the rights and development of children and youth and their uh, access to politics. So you're going to see this sort of separation happening within the state. And the next thing I want to mention, and then I'm going to pause a little bit to allow more of a conversation rather than a filibuster, is I want to mention that in this uh, chart, we see that Saturn has ingressed or moved into Pisces. Saturn has been in uh, Saturnian signs for a while, from Capricorn to Aquarius. The past few years have been dominated by a particular quality of Saturn, and it is a Saturn that was around restriction. When we started the pandemic and went into lockdown. That was Saturn in Capricorn and then Saturn in Aquarius. What we're going to see with Saturn moving into Pisces, Saturn always brings restrictions, difficulties, and whatnot. So when we see Saturn moving into Pisces, that means two things. First, we're likely going to see some restrictions, difficulties, or issues around water. We can even argue that the derailment of the train and the pollution of water is signified already by Saturn in Pisces. Why? Because Pisces is a water sign. So Saturn, as the greater malefic, is now corrupting the waters of Pisces. So you'll see some type of pollution, some types of difficulties around water, but also extremities of water because Saturn governs extremes. So heavy droughts and heavy uh, rain, flooding. Both of these things will happen simultaneously throughout the year, indicating that the life-giving waters that we normally turn to are going to be a source of difficulty for us. 
Pisces also governs scholarship, also governs learning, also governs all things related to education. So Saturn entering there means a heightened focus on education, a heightened focus around the laws, the restrictions, and the orthodoxies around education. All of these things are going to be major themes for 2023. Now, there's a lot more I can say here, but I want to pause and let Ms. Cad and our wonderful host join in and add their thoughts as well. Well, I I love the way you interpreted um, uh, Saturn after two cycles going through Capricorn and Aquarius, which are mm-hmm. two of its homes. If you could imagine, Saturn has two homes next to each other. And now it's gone into Pisces, which is um, a water sign ruled by Jupiter. And it is, um, like you said, restrictions on water. But Jupiter is expansion. And so you can have what I'm looking at is drought, drought, drought. Oh, now you have 11 atmospheric rivers, one after another in California. So this is going to give... um, uh, us a, a look at a time of climate change leading not so much to permanent heating and drying, but to cycles of weather that are extreme. And the amount of um, snow in California, the amount of rain is uh, just out of sight. Now, that's just California, and of course every place has their own, but you can look for, certainly with Saturn, there's going to be some problems with uh, around water. And it could also be seawater. Pisces tends to rule large bodies of water, not little trickling streams. And um, cancer is the usual one for the ocean. And Pisces is often associated with freshwater lakes, so like the Great Lakes. So you might want to see there might be something going on. You might want to keep an eye on that. What I noticed and want to make a comment on is not only is the sun at zero Aries and entering Aries, Mercury at three degrees Aries and has just entered Aries. Mercury moves a little faster than the sun, but then goes retrograde and falls back into the sun. It's regular occurrence. Uh, I don't mean it falls back literally. I mean visually. Um, But there's also um, the fact that Saturn has just entered Pisces. So that's something, again, new, something um, just happening. And then we have two things that are about to happen, but they haven't happened yet. One is that Mars is at 27 degrees Gemini and will shortly enter Cancer, which is another water sign. And since Mars moves faster than Saturn, eventually it'll get really caught up and it'll be um, trine to Saturn. Now, a trine of Mars and Saturn sounds good because trines are always positive, but Mars is a war planet, and I'm like not liking this so much. I mean, you know, it's not so good. And then Pluto, which is in Capricorn, well, it's at 29 degrees Capricorn, is going to eventually move into um, Aquarius. So we're seeing not just one, the Sun, not just two, Sun and Mercury, but we're seeing um, a bunch of planets newly entering. Oh, and Venus. I forgot to mention Venus. Venus is at four degrees Taurus, so it's just jumped from Aries to Taurus. So in this 
time, it's like being in a room with everyone's clock set to a slightly different time and all the alarms going off, first one, then another, then another, then another. These are ingresses that are just sort of falling like dominoes. Now, not every planet is going to be involved in one of these. Some of them, like Neptune, is just going to tootle on. It's a very slow planet. It's not going to go anywhere much in this next quarter. Uh, It's at uh, 25 degrees Pisces. And Uranus is at 16 degrees Taurus, not going to do much of anything. Jupiter is at 16 degrees Aries, not going to do anything. But there are so many ingresses coming up now that you're going to see a lot of changes more than the usual amount. Um, You can look at a chart and look just at the numbers. You don't need to know the relationships to them. Just look at the number of the degrees. How many are at something between 28, 29, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4. That's what I'm talking about. All of those planets represent um, emergent changes. And what those changes are can will be tracked during this coming quarter. And the slower the planet, of course, it might take a little longer than that. But these changes show a big shift. Now, I'm not going to go on any kind of global reset or anything like that, but I'm saying this is a particularly unusual uh, vernal equinox in that there are so many shifts. And what we're especially looking for are shifts from a place where um, a planet is happy and comfortable, one of its happy homes, mm-hmm. to some place where it feels a little out of place. Like Saturn going into Pisces is a little out of place. So because it's ruled by Pisces is ruled by Jupiter, which is Saturn's ugly cousin, or maybe Saturn is the ugly cousin of Jupiter. They don't get along <laughs> too well. <laughs> one expands, the other restricts. Um, there are a few that are like the Sun is, you know, pretty much positive in Aries. It's really good because, you know, it's a masculine uh, light and a masculine sign. There's many ways to look at whether a planet is, quote, good or happy or profitable in a sign. And one way is just to look at the gender. There are uh, a bunch of male and a bunch of female, and there's some uh, neutral, like Mercury, which is um, considered to be uh, androgynous. And you can look at the signs that they go in. Are they male or female? Mm-hmm. These are different ways that we look at something. We balance out all of the um, potentials. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said this kind of a show could go on for four hours just on the next quarter because there's so many pieces to balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm going to bring in um, Reverend James because he's been um, uh, silent. Reverend James, what do you have to add or do you have a question or can you help or tell us what your take on this is well i mean you two you two are going pretty pretty good at it um you two are very knowledgeable and i'm really honestly enjoying the discussion so far because me being a, a more eastern astrologer um focusing on like chinese astrology and things um i'm, I'm a little bit not as um uh educated i guess you could say into the the math and and things that are involved with with degrees and and planets and whatnot um but the way that you guys are explaining it is very um helpful um especially with the the image that that uh mm-hmm. contraband provided in the the um uh the slideshow um but i the only things that's popped up into my mind so far is just so far with the predictions in that um with the the mention of um the long periods of drought and 
and mm-hmm. uh, maybe some some really heavy um, rain weather and things like that, where it switches you know you know from heavy to to not, that that's going to lead to lots of erosion and things like that yeah. in various places. Yes, and then. The other thing that makes me think um, was that, that that came to my mind was the the um, talk about the um, laws restricting children and whatnot. And Nagashiva pointed this out in the chat. Um, I, I want that immediately made me think of the the big uproar that's come around abortion in the United States. And if mm, that yeah, will continue yeah. and 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 be a part of this um, back and forth with with various oh, states yeah. on on laws in that in that regard. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a, you can really see that with, um, the Venus, as Ms. Kat rightly pointed out, Venus has just entered into, uh, Taurus. If you're looking at the chart, you'll see that Taurus is in the ninth house. That mm-hmm. ninth house is the, in astrology, is the house of laws. So the That's ninth correct. house governs laws, philosophy, religion, etc. And you can see that it is also making an aspect to Saturn, which is also the law, the planet of restriction. So do not be surprised if you see here that Saturn, that is old corrupt rulers and, and lawgivers, attempts to restrict the rights of women, which is Venus, by applying mm-hmm. laws against abortion in the ninth house. Now the good news here is, I want to give some hope here, not just a negativity. The hope here is that Venus is in Taurus, which is her domicile, meaning that Venus is in a much stronger position than Saturn. So you will see that there will be an ongoing assault and onslaught of women's health and women's reproductive rights. Don't be surprised if it's not just women's reproductive rights, but other aspects of women's rights as well, the right of marriage, etc. But you will also see that states that uh, where women are, are valued and women are powerful will codify women's rights. So you will see states that will protect abortion. You will see states that will codify women's access to health care. You will see states that will pass law. So again, this goes back to the Jupiter, Saturn, and Aquarius. You're going to see this division between states that are going to try to restrict women's abortion and states that go, yeah, over our dead bodies, we're going to protect women's rights here. Why? Because that I, Venus yeah, is I, in Taurus. I'm, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to jump in here because we had some questions earlier. I don't want to um, go too far past them, but yeah, Venus is in Taurus, which is one of its home signs, and women are not uh, not going to let themselves be overpowered because Taurus does not exactly. give up the ship. Um, and but I do. We did have a couple of questions earlier, and I want to jump to them. One of them was from um, Onyx Rose. Can you talk a little about aspects? All right, so aspects are, um, uh, if you had a protractor, you all remember what a protractor is, and there's like 180 degrees, and there's 90, and there's 45, and all of those like little things, 60 degrees, and so forth. Um, Aspects are made by looking at the chart and drawing lines between the planets and seeing what how many degrees are covered. And the aspects are broken down into two types. Oh, there's three types, four types. Okay, there's conjunctions, <laughs> which were two, two of them right next to each other. And then there are trines. And trines are 120 degrees, and those are harmonious because if you did three of them, it would make an equilateral triangle. And then those are, the trines are broken down into what are called sextiles, which are 60 degrees. They're like half of a trine, and they're positive. So sextiles and trines are positive. And then there are oppositions, which is 180, and half of that, which is 90, which are, is, a, is a, a square. And so those are considered to be inharmonious mm. or conflicting. And then there are some that are kind of weird, like the quincunx, which is 150 degrees, which is like, like 
you know, a sextile plus a <laughs> plus right. a trine or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, they they're they're nutty. Um, yeah. So that's the fourth kind. Oh, you have something to say, Ali? I was just going to say I don't use the the other aspects. I only use the four, the what are known as the Ptolemaic aspects. So squares, oppositions, sextiles, and trines with conjunctions not always being considered an aspect, but it is still a configuration. Um, but the yes. way to think of aspects, I always tell people, aspects are, they're mathematic, but they are understood astronomically as planets sending their rays to other planets. So here, Saturn is casting its rays to uh, Venus. Therefore, Saturn, the planet of restriction, is trying to restrict Venus. So that's how you under, it's a relationship between the planets based off of the mathematic symbolism. That's, and that's really interesting, too, because what you brought up something, too. I, I have to say something about quincunxes, which is 150 degrees. They're also called mm. inconjuncts, which is a totally yeah. weird name because everything is inconjunct. It's inconjunct. And there's a wonderful, <laughs> there's a wonderful uh, old book I have about, just about, it. it's called Those Inconvenient Inconjuncts, and they are. <laughs> and um, many people don't count inconjuncts unless there were two of them with a sextile across the edge, which makes an acute triangle. And I tend to the same. And in, uh, with aspects, there's one other thing I need to talk about, which is what's called the um, the amount of tolerance or allowance between them. In other words, if one is at zero and the other is at ten, you can't mm. count that. It's too far. The orb is called the orb. is too far. Orb, but if yeah. one is at four and the other is at three, they're within orb. So um, what we're looking at now is all of these are kind of within orb. That's what I was talking about. These many ingresses mm-hmm. that are happening are all within orb of each other. And other thing to understand about aspects is that they change over time. You know, when planets are moving fast, you, you start to look at it, you start to see it like a clock. And you'll say, oh, this one's going to catch up to there. Or this one's moving away. Yeah. So aspects also come in what are called applying and separating. Yeah. And when one a fast planet is moving into an aspect, it's having an effect. But generally speaking, when it's leaving the aspect, the effect is weakening. And one more thing, the reason you said Saturn is affecting Venus is the planets also have seniority, as if they were members of a family. And Saturn always squashes everybody else because it's the big one. It's the outermost mm-hmm. um, big daddy <laughs> that's going to that's going to restrict everybody. Whereas, if, for instance, it was um, Venus and Mercury, Venus would affect Mercury. Mercury would not affect Venus. And so, Venus is this. Uh, what am I going to call him? Um, the little, the little um, androgynous child that everyone kicks around. And the only thing his, he's got going for him is that he runs really fast. <laughs> and Mercury, he, yeah. He, and Mercury runs really fast and gets involved with every planet one after another. So always look for Mercury for speedy things and look for Saturn for slow things. So ponderousness. Now, the other question besides uh, uh, what was asked is, are houses of any bearing here? Yes. This yes. part that, that um, Ali constructed was based on houses and was based on, um, if I'm not mistaken, equal house division, right? Yes. Whole sign division, yes. Whole sign division. Oh, look at that whole sign division. Mm, nice guy. So there are many ways to come up with houses. Houses are measurements not of where the planets are, but they're measurements looking in the sky. It's like you took your giant protractor and just projected on the sky. And there's many ways to do the houses. Whole signs, equal houses. Um, there's uh, what? Placidius, yeah, Placidian, 
uh, Placidian, Montereggian, uh, whatever. There's so many ways to yeah. do it. And um, and these all, you know, grew out of mathematical theories. We can ignore them pretty much all. But what we're using right now is simple, natural, whole sign. And so, therefore, there are houses. Now, each house has a meaning. And I'm just going to quickly go through yep. that. Don't want to leave anybody behind. Just the way Aries is the first sign and, and rules um, the concept of uh, origination and, and bravery and entry into things, the first house is that house of appearance and, and how you present yourself. But the houses are running in the other direction. So if you went on that chart mm-hmm. and looked at 9 o'clock and went down from 9 o'clock to 8 o'clock, that's the first house. So the houses run counterclockwise and you, they're numbered from 9 to 8, 8 to 7, and so forth. And each one has a meaning. And its meaning is in part derived from the, um, the order of the signs of the zodiac. So that You can see the example, numbers on the inner circle, by the way. Yes, the numbers are right there. So house 2 would, equ- would equate to Taurus. And that's why it's the house of money and property. And house 3, because Taurus... Um, is the second sign, and the third sign is a Gemini, and so the third house uh, relates to communication and so forth. So that's how what the houses mean. And so what we're looking at in this chart, if we take out everything that's not a planet, this chart has a lot of different little things. You'll see things like AS and IC. AS just means ascendant. IC is the midnight position. There's little things that look like uh, stirrups for a horse and all all that. Those are just, um, those are the moon's nodes. MC is the midheaven or noon position. DS is the descendant position. Forgetting all of that, just looking at the planet, you'll see that the planets are squished into a pretty narrow band and Mars and Pluto are the outliers. And the moon right now, of course, the moon runs around all the time, but the moon is right now in that pack. You can imagine like a pack of cars on a freeway. Mars has broken out of the pack and is moving away from the pack, right? And actually, though, they're going to catch up with it because the sun goes faster than Mars. And um, But Mars is moving to- around. Eventually, Mars is going to be um, catching up with Pluto years, a year and a half, whatever, from now, Mars will pass by Pluto. The pack, the shape of the pack changes over time. This is called pattern astrology. So if you look at the space from Mars to Pluto, the whole thing fits in less than a half a chart. And this is called a fan pattern. And a fan pattern means that things are really intensified because everything is like folded up in this fan, right? And in that fan, you start to see that all of these little changes of sign are happening. It's like people playing rapid musical chairs and trying to find a seat in the middle of this very tight, restrictive chart. Turning it over to you, Ollie. Let me just real briefly give a definition of the houses. It'll be real quick but it's so that people can follow along. So the first house is the body, appearance, personality. Second house is assets and money. Third house is brothers and short trips. Uh, some people will put communication there. Fourth house is uh, family, ancestors, and property. Fifth house is children and joy and creative pursuits. Sixth house and is pets. all the things that we don't. Say it again. And, and sixth pets. house is pets. Yes, yeah, some people put the sixth house, uh, fifth house pets. Some people put yeah. the pets in the sixth house, but the sixth house is also illness, uh, as well as those people that serve under you. Seventh house is partners, both in the romantic sense and in the business sense, as well as open enemies. Eighth house is the house of death, difficulties, and also taxes and assets that other people own that you don't own. The ninth house is law, 
and religion, uh, as well as philosophy. 10th house is career and success. 11th house is hopes, dreams, and friends. And 12th house is illnesses, loneliness, and uh, curses and whatnot. So those are the 12 astrological houses. So when I said that Venus is in the ninth house, that means Venus is in the house of laws. And that is why she is having, an, there's this impact around laws, restrictions, etc. So you note the astrological houses, for example. We know that uh, Miss Cat has rightly pointed out that Mars is going to move into Cancer. Mars is fallen in Cancer. It's a bad place for Mars to be. When Mars enters into Cancer, one of the traditional interpretations is war in the Middle East. It's the oldest interpretation found because Cancer is associated with the so-called Near East. So this would be the Levant, Israel-Palestine. Syria, Jordan, um, Lebanon, that sort of region is considered the Near East. So whenever Mars goes into Cancer, it always indicates some type of war or conflict in the in the Near East. And since Mars is is moving into the eleventh house, that would mean that there would be some type of strain on international alliances. Since the eleventh house governs friendship, and on the world stage, friendship means what? international alliances so we would see so we would interpret that as saying there will be some type of conflict in the near east that will then put a strain on our international alliances that's how you would you know combine that's, that's a wonderful the planet, interpretation and yeah that's that's, that's great. Really now you know how I I would you know what I would say because we 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 come from slightly different you know everyone has a different approach. Yeah. So I look at the eleventh house is also called siblings, and if you don't have siblings, it's friends. And so when Mars and Mars sinking into the water definitely bad because Mars is you know fire and that's that's it's called yeah. its fall. I associate uh, Cancer just same with the Middle East, but I associate it particularly with the Eastern Mediterranean. And yeah, the Near East, so the, the Eastern Mediterranean and the North Africa, that whole area, including the Suez Canal, including all of that stuff, and also um, you know um, rivers that go into such an area. So Mars going into Cancer in the eleventh house, I see it as sibling warfare, and so this is where people outside of the Middle East go. Why are they fighting with each other? They all look the same. You know, they just have a slightly different religion. That's what we're going to see, though. It's going to be uh, a lot of conflict around the eastern um, Mediterranean and the Levant, and it's not a good sign at all. <laughs> it's very, very yeah. bad. So the near, yeah, that, that eastern Mediterranean is often referred to as the Near East in old sources, uh, and it covers yes. places like Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Palestine, and it goes all the way down to the Suez Canal, or the Sinai is what we call it, because the Suez Canal is relatively recent. But the yes, Sinai right, right. Well, I think of the Suez so, because it's water. Right. And the 11th house here uh, represents uh, alliances, whereas in my interpretation, the third house represents siblings. So we come from slightly different traditions. But even there, Mars happens to rule the third house because Scorpio is there. <laughs> so you can yes. see that your interpretation would be right on the money. It's like, yes, there's a strain on, on uh, alliances and it's a conflict between siblings because what does Mars rule? Mars rules Scorpio, and Scorpio is in the third house of siblings. So this is how you would combine the significations of the planet with the significations of the sign and then the house. Bringing them together gives you that interpretation. Mars, the planet of war, is entering into Cancer, which covers the regions of the Near East, therefore bringing war to the Near East and conflict to the Near East, and it will put a strain on the 11th house, which is the house of alliances. That's how you do there, interpretation. You combine yeah, and, and sign, I'm gonna, I'm, planet, and house. Sign, planet, and house, right. And also 
the pattern, in this case the fan pattern, mean that right. everything is kind of tightly bound up, and a lot of energy bound up in a small area. Now, I've seen charts, by the way, where everything is bound up much tighter than this. This is not the worst I've ever seen. And having Pluto a little hanging behind is, you know, all right. Eventually, it'll turn into what's called a basket pattern, where everything is basically going to be opposed to Pluto. And um, it's like a basket with a handle. But these patterns do have a meaning. That was an answer to Nagashiva's question. Now, another thing about this, you might ask, and I'm going to just... Um, a sort of usurp a question that I didn't see get asked. This is a chart for Washington, D.C. and for the United States um, because of the way right. it was constructed. And so the question is, what is our relationship? So they're going to have a war in the Middle East. So what? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but this is, the 11th house is the house of treaties and, and alliances. Mm-hmm. And therefore, our treaties will be strained because of this. And so it does right. have a meaning for the United States as well. It's our 11th house. Right. It's not right in our front doorstep, but it's not nice. Okay. Right. So if you were doing this chart for your place, what you would want to do is cast it for the same thing, the, air, the ingress of the sun into Aries or the entrance of the sun into Aries into zero degrees. But you would change the capital to the capital of wherever you are. So if you're in England, you would do London and France, Paris, and so on and so forth. And that would localize the interpretation for you. Since this is for D.C., this gives us the local interpretation, that is, it gives us the understanding of the United States. But the case can be made, and this is found in ancient astrology as well, that because the United States is the dominant imperial power, it has global ramifications. So in the ancient world, when they would cast a horoscope, for example, they would do it for Baghdad, which was the imperial center from the 8th century all the way down to the 12th century. And they would do that repeatedly. So you can do it for the center. So if you were to cast, let's say you lived in Paris, and you still cast for Washington, D.C., you could have still global interpretations based off of that. But then you would cast a second chart for Paris that would then localize it. So even though this is technically the United States, and this may sound very American-centric, it has global ramifications because the United States, for better or worse, is the imperial power of the era. Now, that may change in five to ten years from now, and we'll all be casting our charts for, I don't know, some for, you know, uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, who knows? But there will, there, there's a, whenever there's an imperial power, you can set it for the capital of that imperial power. There is another Okay, thing we, we, have, we we're running out of time, and we have questions, and I'm going to throw these at you, um, Ollie, real quick. Um, sure, away. One of the Yeah, one of the questions is the banking crisis. What about politics? Yeah. What about banking defaults? Will Bitcoin come back, and will Trump yeah. be put in prison? And um, what about COVID? Okay, so COVID is very clear here. COVID is represented by Saturn. Saturn still rules this year. It's known as the Lord of the Year. So you would, there's a set of techniques where you determine one planetary influence per year, and that planet's significations last the entire year. This chart, that, that is Saturn. Saturn is the Lord of the Year by transfers or by perfection. This means that Saturn is an indication that you are going to continue to see COVID as an incredibly powerful force, but because it's now in a mutable sign, you will see uh, COVID be treated as seasonal by the political powers. So COVID will continue to kill, will continue to harm, will continue to be difficult to deal with, but the political powers, being mutable now, are going to treat it as seasonally. Talk about it when it when the numbers go up, and then ignore it every other time, which is unfortunate. So you should take measures to protect yourself and your community. Finances are also shown 
Where is Mercury? Mercury is in the eighth house of other people's finances. So the mark, your money is the second house. The markets are the eighth house. And what is happening to Mercury? Mercury is being burnt by the sun. This is a no, Bitcoin is not coming back. <laughs> I'll be honest, sorry to be brutally honest. Uh, crypto is not going to make too much of a recovery. But you will continue to see market instability drop. Okay. More questions. <laughs> I have something I want to say, but I don't want to. I want to take up too much time. If there's other questions, um, there was one more question. Was about will Trump be put in jail? I think we'd need Trump's chart to be able to predict that. So I'm going to pass yeah, over that question. I, I have. He's Trump's no longer our, our president, so he will not be so affected yeah. by this chart. No. Um, but I want to say something also about the global um, banking crisis. Um, mm. This is this is a sort of an interesting one because Mercury is uh, you know trade, and Jupiter also has to do with expansion of money mm-hmm. and you know property expansion, and Mercury is going to be coming up to hit Jupiter you know fairly soon. Um, within a matter so of can, days. What? Within a matter of days. Within a matter of days, right. And when that happens, we might see uh, some volatility, to put it mildly. I'm just going to say mm-hmm. it, it may be um, – it it's not a bad thing for Mercury to hit Jupiter, but given what else is going on here and that it's um, in the eighth house, not so good. Uh, it's going to be some mm-hmm. kind of volatility, and I would expect to see that happen very soon and yeah, negatively, yeah. negatively impact everything. Right, right. And then the one thing I want to mention here is that we haven't even covered the a variety of symbolic techniques. We've only talked about the very surface level. So astrology also has a series of, of techniques known as the Arabic lots or the Hermetic lots, which is where you take the distance between two planets and then you add that distance from the ascendant and it gives you a third hypothetical spot that then tells you something. So, for example, if you were to look at the chart, you will see a little circle with a square or a little circle with an X in it in Leo in the 12th house. That is known as the lot of fortune. And the law of fortune governs people's material conditions, their health, their body, and fortune in the sort of ancient sense of fortune, not just luck, but what does your life sort of look like? So base, and there's other lots. There's the lot of victory, the lot of eros. There's all these, the lot of spirit. There's all these different lots. There's something like 125 of them. But for now, we can talk just about the lot of fortune. With the lot of fortune being in the 12th house, that is also further indication that there's going to be restrictions on the material condition of people. So if you've got your money in the banks and things like that, just be mindful that this new year in which you're going to see restrictions. Why? Because this is a lot in in the 12th house, and that is a house of restrictions, of isolation, of even hospitals uh, are all associated with it. In fact, uh, the traditional understanding of the 12th is of a hospital. So we would say the material conditions of the people are poor in this year, facing restrictions. So further confirmation of the banking financial issues. Yeah, this is not so good. The 12th house is confinement. It can also be jail. <clears throat> it can be hospitals. Um, uh, people with Mercury in the 12th house end up being ghost writers rather than <laughs> famous on their own. <laughs> um, we're out of time. Damn. Um, and we've just touched the surface. 
Oh, right. And um, and Signe DC says, Jupiter receives Mercury in its term good for understanding. That's true. And um, and um, Balkan Diviner 14 says, the 20s are just crazy and it does not appear to stop anytime soon. No, it yeah. sounds like we're just crying wolf over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> but this is um, one of those things where all of a sudden everything has gone haywire uh, the planets are like this machine and every once in a while when everything gets kind of piled up in one area it's like the machine becomes a little lopsided the, the movement isn't straightforward and you get these big cluster fucks and that's what we're in the middle of right now a big cluster fuck thank you countryman that was great and i wish mm-hmm. we could go on for another hour but we do have a uh, client and who's uh, going to be having a reading. So let's turn this over to our announcer and see what happens. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. Our reading today is for Lucky Girl 777, who had called in from area code 678 in Georgia, However, we seem to have lost her on the phone. We're going to continue on with her reading. She has not had a reading previously on this topic. And Lucky Girl 777 writes, I am mostly wondering about my short and long-term finances. As a second option, will my love life ever change? Turning it over to you, Ms. Kat. All right. Um, Short and long-term finance. And as a second option, will my love life ever change? Well, uh, Laurie, we can't do two options. You're going to get one reading. So we're, I think we're going to read on short and long-term finances for Laurie. If um, something comes up with Laurie's uh, love life, we can mention it. So um, we're going to have as our first reader, James. All right. Thank you, Miss Cat. Um, so we're going to look at um, short and long-term finances. Um, so since we don't really have her on the air, um, I'm going to be doing uh, using Qi Men Dunja, so that's a type of Chinese astrology. Um, I would normally ask for her year, birth year, to figure out um, something to get in a hone in a little bit closer, but um, <clears throat> we can use other um, aspects to draw that off of. So um, she is currently sitting in the Northwest Palace. Um, so if you imagine a uh, nine-square um, chart, um, she's in the, south, the southeastern part, so it's the northwest section. Um, so everything's a little bit kind of sideways there. Um, but this shows that uh, she has some uh, uh, the grain star, and now the grain star represents sickness. Um, so... And it seems like this has been going on for a little bit of a long time um, because there is also what's called the um, Nine Heavens, um, Jiu Tian, um, which means that it's been going on for a long time. Um, 
there's also something here where, um, let's see. Uh-oh. Um, okay. Don't know what that sound was, but anyway, uh, sorry. So we're looking to see if she will have good long-term finances. So we're going to look for the open door, um, which is um, – Hmm. It is in the Northeast Palace. So she is in the um, external side of the uh, chart, which shows that she is far away from her uh, job. And the open door is also what is, is, is known in what's graveyard. So she, she is having trouble either keeping a job or finding a job. And it may be due to the fact that she has – She's going after jobs and things that are not what she has any kind of passion for um, because the heart star is um, in emptiness in this palace. So she, she has, she's having trouble locking on and, and keeping with doing things um, that she doesn't really enjoy. And then that just help, makes it to where she loses interest. She loses interest, and then she, she, she starts to her, – her work ability begins to decline. Um, but that's also being connected to with the fact that she has this long-term illness that's also kind of seeming to eat away at her a little bit. That could be something that's it could be uh, physical or mental. I'm not sure without her being here. Um, as far as love, I'm not seeing anything there. But um, long-term finance, short-term finances, we're in you're 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 in a bit of a pickle. Um, long-term finances, um, that, this shows that um, the answer is in the Eastern Wood Palace. So you're in a metal palace now. The answer is in an Eastern Wood Palace. You're, you're going to have to, um, like, like an axe chops wood, you're going to have to be the lumberjack. You're going to have to put in a little bit of effort, but that little bit of effort that you do put out will, will um, elicit a, a big growth for you long-term, but short-term, you, you will seem to struggle for a bit. And um, I'm sure that uh, Ms. Cat will be able to help you um, find some good works to supplement that until you can get to that long-term foundation, okay? And uh, I'm going to hand this over to uh, Conjure Man, and we'll see what he has to say. Thank you for that. You gave a, a fantastic reading there, and I think there's a lot of sage advice on, on what to be aware of. Um, finances are always a matter of, of fluctuation, and so being adaptable here is incredibly important in order to ensure that your finances do. I always tell people that the first two things that can go wrong in a person's life, whether they're being crossed or they've just run across a blockage, is matters of money and matters of love. They're, they're both very fluid and so there things can happen here so i've pulled some cards to see uh, what your finances are going to look like uh, and there is some tough times ahead of you the the first card that we have here is the magician and the magician indicates to us that magical work is going to be needed work that will apply your skills work that will apply your knowledge all must come together in order to help your finances this is an individual who's standing before an altar and the altar has all the tools of magic before them they're robed 
carved an infinity sign above them, and their hand is raised up to the heavens and down to the earth, bringing into manifestation their will. It is a person who brings to bear all of their magical and intellectual abilities along with their skills. The magician is not just someone who casts spells, but it also is a person who is inherently skilled or has other types of skills. Indeed, in older tarot decks, the magician is actually a trickster figure, a figure that has all these different juggling tools, for example. This indicates to me that you are going to need to do some magical work to protect your finances, but also need to leverage what skills you have. So take stock of what abilities you have, what skills you have. Are you a good organizer? Are you really good at your finances? Are you really good at your tax documents? Whatever it is, whatever it is, you need to take stock of that. And be aware that you're likely going to have to juggle more than one thing in order to ensure your finances are successful. The next card, which is the present and leading into the future, is the Six of Swords. And it shows an individual who is moving across the water and they're carrying two people, a woman and a child, and they seem like refugees, passing through stormy waters as six swords are before them. There are rocky waters ahead of you, and so there may be some dip in your finances, particularly around the early summer. So be mindful of that, that there may be something, a restriction that comes in your money, some unexpended expenditures that come in your money. It may even involve physically having to move either your location or your job or your profession or some type of physical relocation happening. This relocation will be difficult. It will come with some financial difficulties. It will restrict your finances for a period of time. But if you follow the sagacious advice of the magician in the first card, then you will come out of it successful. You will move through the difficulties of the early summer months and finally receive the success of the Eight of Wands. The Eight of Wands is the final card here. It is a card of the soul of the wands of victory that are being cast uh, across the sky. You will be successful, but the success is going to be mercurial. This is a card that generally indicates communication, that indicates arrows of war or the arrows of communication. It involves change and change that is rapid. After all, these are stabs or wands that are being thrown across the sky. So this means that the change will come upon you relatively fast and you will be able to, if you navigate it well, if you surf the tide, if you kind of rise and flow with the ebb and the tide, then you will be successful. You'll come out of it better off. But the final success is not a stable success, meaning that you'll come out at the end of summer and your finances will be better and your finances will be great and you will have navigated the difficulties of the early summer months. But that doesn't mean you're now set for life. It means that you are going to have to continue to be adaptable and to be mindful of the fact that your finances remain in a somewhat precarious position. That while you will be wealthy or you will have abundance after this period of difficulty that I see showing up in the early summer, that the abundance itself is one that you need to start building a foundation for. For without that foundation, you'll be right back where you were before. You'll be right back in a situation where you're once again forced to deal with uh, precarity or deal with these difficult, precarious situations. So just be mindful of that, that you can navigate the immediate difficulties that are going to show up, but once you're out of the woods, don't assume that that's it. Instead, use that moment to really build a solid foundation for your finances and uh, for an abundant form of wealth. Otherwise, 
the cycle will repeat itself and you'll have once more difficulties come your way. So success, but success that is a little bit uncertain. With that, I'm going to turn it over to Ms. Kat, who's going to give you your root work device. All right. Um, sorry for the people who were complaining about the phone sound. Um, I had placed a phone call with somebody and they were on the call. Um, so, I, but I couldn't stop them. All right. Um, I'm going to give some root work advice here. And this is going to be based on the idea of the long-term problem, which was seen by both James and Conjurman, that this is something that's been going on for a while, that you have the tools to change, but you really have to work at it and get something accomplished, um, or it'll just recycle, and you'll have more financial troubles next time. So um, what I'd like to do is um, create for you a permanent money uh, alter. This is going to be lasting. It may last for a long time. It's pretty simple. It's not a, a difficult one to uh, create. You're going to um, have a plan. Now, whatever field, we didn't, we're not able to question you, so we don't really know. Whatever field you work in, there's going to be some things that represent it. If you're a car dealer, you might have a little toy car. Um, or photos of cars. If you're a nurse, you might have the logo of the hospital you work at or the insurance system within which you work or whatever it may be. If you are a school teacher, the logo of the school. And we want something that represents not just where you're working now, but where you want to work and the field itself. So just as another example, maybe you're unemployed right now, but you want to have a job at some place, and we can say, oh, I want to work in a bottling factory that bottles soda, so you could have the Coke logo and the Pepsi logo and the RC Cola logo and all these logos because you want to work in a, in a soda pop bottling factory. So first of all, find your area that you want to be in, and then, oh my gosh, um, just, Nagashiva, could you come and take my phone away <laughs> because it's just not stopping, and I'm trying to... I'm so sorry, folks. Thank you. He took it. Yay. Um, so you want something that represents the field that you're in and also the places that you want to be hired. And then you're going to take each of these little logos, and I'd like you to laminate them using packing tape so that you have permanent um, discs or rectangles that represent these places that you might want to work. If you don't know whether you want to work at the Ford plant, the Chevy plant, or whether you're going to work for Wall Street or whatever, you can put up as many of these as you want. Okay. If you need to get a credentialing to get on with your um, job, you might want to have the logo of the university that you might be attending or the online training course. That, and you can have as many of these as you want. Each of them should be about as big around as if you took your thumb and middle finger and made a circle. No bigger than that, just a couple of inches. And Or if they're rectangles, just take your thumb, your hand, and your middle finger and extend them. You get a little rectangle. That's about how big they should be. And these are like little playing pieces, like little um, chips in a game. And now, once you've prepared all of those and know what they are, I'd like you to get yourself a candle. And it can be a small candle, and you're going to want a bunch of these candles. So you can get four-inch candles that are very uh, cheap. Get ones that are uh, yellow or green. Green for money, yellow for success. You might want to start with success. 
And you would like, like to have at least a dozen of these to start. And I want you to put around the candle these little chits, these little logos, right? And then on each logo, whatever many you have, you're going to put another candle. So it'll be a central candle, and then maybe three of them, maybe two, maybe one, whatever it is you're looking for, it's going to be outside that first candle. The first candle is going to represent you. That's the central candle. You can put your own photo under it and your own birth date, and on it you can write, I'm looking for a permanent job with um, good wages, full benefits, and uh, that will last me until I wish to retire. You know, whatever it is you want, or I want a quick job right now for money to get out of debt, you know. And whatever your wish is, that goes under your candle. Now these other candles are all around. However many there are, and there may be several. There may be, for instance, if you have a mortgage, you could have your mortgage company as one of the logos. You're going to light candles around your candle, but first light your candle, and you're going to pray for financial success. And every day, you can light one of these others along with it and light your candle. And the next day, you can light yours again and another one, or you can light them all. I've seen people do a whole you know, circle of five of them, seven of them, whatever it is. These are all companies I might wish to work for. Every time you light a candle, however, you're going to put down a coin. And these coins are your payment for the candle, you could say. And these coins can be laid up around the uh, central candle between the candle and the outside row of these logos. If a company turns out to reject you, you don't want to work for that company, take their logo away, just dispose of it, and don't light any more candles on their logo. In this way, eventually, you're going to have some focus because what I'm seeing here in your question about finances and career is a lack of focus, and that's what I saw also with the um, the idea of what people we're doing in the reading. So I want you to do this for at least one lunar cycle, starting with the new moon and going to the next new moon. At that time, you will have a much better idea of where you're going, what you're doing, and you will have a foundation from which to work, um, and you'll know the plan. You'll have a plan rather than just being casting adrift at this point. Call back after you've done this for a month, and we will be glad to read further. But at this time, I think you just need to get started with the idea of paying a coin down. When you get the job you want, all of those coins will go to the poor. Those coins will go to help somebody who needs a job because you're now satisfied. And call in to get an update after one month of doing this spell. All right? So um, anybody else have anything to add to this? That was beautiful, Ms. Cat. Um, the only thing that I have to add to that would be, um, you know, just watch that can the the wax flows from all of those candles. If if any of those um, mm. from the from the employers watch for for it to reach out to your candle, maybe they're they're actively looking for people to to hire. And you know, if your candle reaches out to one of them, maybe they'll be more apt to take you on as a as a employee. Yes. Now, I, mm. I'm assuming since we haven't talked to you that you have no products at all and you're not even going to be able to dress these candles. But if you can dress the candles, you want to dress them with steady work oil. That's okay. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, just, if, uh, you're, though, if you're listening to us, I'm so sorry that you're, you, we couldn't catch you, but if you're listening to us, make sure to tune into the free spells because it'll be useful for you as well. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. And one thing about the candle wax dripping, that's why I laminate those little logos. 
So you, they're, they're still there, but they're not damaged by the wax. But read the wax as it falls over them. You'll find that some will drip, some will not drip, some candles will go out. Learn to read the candle wax, and you can look online at Lucky Mojo. There's a whole page called um, luckymojo.com forward slash candlemagicdivination.html. All right. Time for our network identification. LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Conjurman of ConjuremanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. Take it away, Conjurman. Mm, thank you very much, and thank you for having me as a guest. It's always fun to, to join you all and have a great conversation. Uh, this free spell is brought to you with the idea that since this is the astrological new year, this is an ideal time to do working to bless your entire year. So this is a working that will bring you abundance, joy, success, and fortune throughout the year. It's a long-term working. I recommend that you begin this on this coming Thursday when the moon will be in the third mansion of Surya. And I'm giving this a lecture here since this was a topic on astrology. Let's tie that free spell into the topic. So Thursday, the moon is going to be in Alpuria, the third mansion, which is a mansion of wishes, dreams, hopes, and all good things. It's a very good election. You are going to need the following items. You will need three silver dimes. You can use any dimes, but I prefer uh, mercury dimes in particular here. If you can get a hold of those, fantastic. You're going to need a dollar bill. This can be in any denomination going from one all the way to 100, whichever one you want. Just be aware that you are going to be writing on it, so it will be a, you will not be able to use it again. So choose uh, some type of denomination as you're comfortable with, from 1, 5, 10, 20, 50, 100, whichever you feel comfortable with. But just be aware that you are going to need some type of bill. You're going to need a jar of honey, an empty coffee can, one cinnamon stick, three tonka beans, and red. When you have your items all arranged, then on Thursday, when the moon is in the third mansion of Toria, start your working at dawn. Take your bill and on it, write your petition. Now, what do I mean by this? I want you to envision what your year is going to look like, what your year should look like, the year you desire, your ideal year, and then inscribe that onto the bill. I am healthy and wealthy, surrounded by love and abundance, for example, is a great petition. But maybe your petition is different. I have been promoted is your, is your goal for the year. Or I have broken my financial you know, feeling. Whatever it is your goal is, envision it and write it down. This should be all-encompassing. It should be holistic. Imagine yourself having a successful year, a fortunate year, a blessed year. How would you define that? Write that down. I am healthy and wealthy and surrounded by abundance and love is how I would, but you might have a different one. You're going to write that down on the bill. You're going to then wrap the bill in a cinnamon stick. Use the red 
string and tie the bill to the cinnamon stick with three knots. And every time you knot it, I want you to say the petition out loud once, twice, three times. Now take your coffee can. Add the cinnamon stick to the empty coffee can. Now I would recommend a small coffee can, not one of those giant ones, just a small one. You're going to put the cinnamon stick in there. Add in your three coins, and as you add the three coins, you are going to recite your petition out loud again. One, twice, three times, and every time you recite it, you add the coin. Then you're going to take the tonka beans, three of them. You're going to recite your petition as you add the tonka beans in, one at a time. So three times you're going to say it. Then you're going to take your jar of honey, open it up, and cover the entire thing on the inside of the can with honey. Just drizzle it on. Bring the sweetness on to you. Make it sweet. Cover the cinnamon stick. Cover the coins. Cover the tonka beans. Pray your prayer onto this. Close the can up. You're going to pray into it. Close the can. Now, take this can and bury it in a potted plant in your house. If you have a backyard with a beautiful tree, you can bury it at that tree. If you don't, then get yourself a potted plant. If you want, you can actually go and get a potted plant specifically for this working. Go and find a plant that calls out to you. Go to the garden center. Go to the places where you can buy this and see if a plant calls out to you. What you're going to do is build a spirit helper through the force of this plant, through this entity. Plants are incredibly powerful allies. They're incredibly powerful for this type of long-term working. If you don't want to, you can use the plants that you already have. Maybe you have a really cool basil plant, or maybe you've got a succulent of some sort, or maybe you have a fern. Traditionally, ferns are used in this working. You could also use any type of tree in your backyard. If you have an apple tree, for example, or anything, you can bury it at the roots of it. But what you're going to do is take this coffee can with that you have now fixed with all this spiritual goodies, and you're going to bury it in that potted plant or underneath that tree. You are going to regularly water this plant, ideally on a Thursday. So keeping with the idea that you want to work with the powers of Jupiter, you want to work with the powers of the greater fortune, of the greater benefic, of the great ally of us in the heavens, you are going to water this plant on Thursday. As long as this plant remains alive, you will have a blessed and fortunate year. This plant will bring fortune into your life. It will bring long-term, sustainable abundance and blessings into your life. It will also act as an early warning system. If the plant starts to get ill, that lets you know that something bad is coming your way or that someone might be interfering with the blessings that you were supposed to have. Now, before anyone asks any questions, if you cannot do this working on this coming Thursday and you missed the Lunar Mansion election, that's okay. You can do it on another Thursday when the moon is waxing and at dawn. That is my free spell. Wow. That's really a, a really good one. I love the idea of using a coffee can because, of course, coffee mm. wakes you up. And so that's exactly. really great. Depending on how big your potted plant is, a coffee can may be a little large. And I'm yeah, going to make a recommendation. Yeah, a small one and a big potted plant. Well, I'm going to make a recommendation that you use um, perhaps a tin that um, caffeinated peppermints came in. 
Um, mm, I'm holding one right in my hand, penguin caffeinated peppermints. And everything like those Altoids boxes? It's bigger than an Altoids box, but yeah, it's like, a, uh, it's okay. like an Altoids box. Um, it's, you know, it's the regular mint type tin, but these are caffeinated. Mm-hmm. And I think everything you mentioned, if you used a nice thin cinnamon stick, it wasn't too long, everything would fit in yeah. this penguin's caffeinated mint tin. I would also and throw in a couple. And the dollar's wrapped up. And the dollar's all wrapped up. It'll all fit in there. And um, and the tonka beans will fit. Honey will fit. And I would also say you might want to put in some actual coffee beans or instant mm. coffee or coffee ground coffee in there, if you know, because it won't have been a coffee tin per se. That's my only recommendation to make it smaller to fit a potted plant. Yeah, you can definitely make it small. You can also find very small coffee tins, which is what I use. Right. Miss Michael says a small instant coffee jar, and I'm just going to put in one more just for crazy, just the paper packet that instant coffee came in, you know, those little foil <laughs> That's doing it on the cheap and really low down. But I love the idea of doing it in a, in a coffee can because coffee cans symbolize so much energy, and uh, that's really mm-hmm. great. All right. Wow. Um what a show. I wish we could have done more on the astrology. Uh, we got great questions from our uh, people in the chat. We're so thankful, uh, everybody who was asking questions and piling on. Signe DC is an astrologer, knows a lot. And, um, and, and Angela L., Onyx Rose, everybody asked great questions. Thank you all for that. Tony I is in the chat. Miss um, Michael, Patricia, Dr. Sweets, um, Brother Blue. Thank you all. All right, I'm going to uh, turn this over to Reverend James, and he's going to give us our outro. Reverend Art will. <laughs> thank you, Ms. Kat, and Reverend James. And thank you, Conjurman of ConjurmanConsulting.com and Mission Viejo, California, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest from Healing Amulet Mindfulness Center will be Reverend Roy of HealingAmulet.com in Nashville, Tennessee, bringing us a tutorial on fertility magic. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find this cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Reverend James at folkconjure.com in North Carolina. I'm your announcer, Reverend Art, joining you from folkconjure.com in North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at this same time, when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night, and thank you so much. Now, I do have a little, um, another question. This show has gotten more questions in chat. What (laughs) kind of plant, uh, Conjumali, what kind kind of plant? I'm going to say a lucky bamboo. Do you have any suggestions? Yes, that's what I would say. Bamboo is great. A fern is fantastic. Basil is great. Any, Any really beautiful plant will work. And if you're using a big coffee can, you want a potted fig. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Good night. (laughs) Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.